gotta tell somebody. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's you talk need about this. That. Listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. I'm gonna tell everyone. Wait here. Quite a remarkable big daddy. Remarkable. Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B2B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising for a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond, from Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is Remarkable, and this week we are talking about B2B marketing lessons from Slumdog Millionaire and how to use circular storytelling in your marketing. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Are you ready? Huh? Please give a big round of applause Good luck, to kid. our very first contestant of the night, Jamal Malik from our very own Amji Mumma! Latika went on the show because I thought she'd be watching. I was really struck by how beautifully shot the movie is. Uh, But also, I'm a sucker for a heroic love story. That is Meredith O'Neill, our amazing producer extraordinaire for this show and many other shows at Caspian Studios. It is so cool the way that they use the circular narrative. Using that concept really helps stand out amongst all the noise out there. That is Colin Stamps our podcast launch manager here at Caspian Studios, and our marketing aficionado. I feel like a lot of people probably hadn't seen that kind of like storytelling device used before in movies until like this Slumdog Millionaire came out. That is Annika Das, B2B content marketing manager here at Caspian Studios. Bollywood's been doing this forever and it's like the classic kind of like you throw your audience in the middle of like a really, really intense situation and then you like take them back and there's just like multiple timelines happening at once so it's really cool in that sense that they brought that over from bollywood to hollywood and kind of like made it a thing are you nervous what (laughs) am i nervous it's you who's in the hot seat my friend slumdog millionaire is a 2008 british drama directed by danny boyle and lovely tandon that is Dane Eckerly, head of development at Caspian Studios, and Mr. Hollywood big shot movie maker himself. The movie stars Dave Patel and Freda Pinto, and the film follows an orphan, Jamal, who's selected to be a contestant on the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Welcome back to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And he goes, hoping that his long-lost love will be watching him. But when he gets to one question away from the grand prize of 20 million rupees, 
he gets arrested and accused of cheating. And that's sort of where the story begins. Because I'm a slum dog, Jaiwala, I'm a liar, right? The movie was commercially successful, critically successful. I think it won something like eight Academy Awards, including Best Picture, which is about as good as it gets. When it first came out, it was actually really exciting because it's almost like a weird Bollywood meets Hollywood type of movie. And it was like the first really popular one of that kind to hit Hollywood and to hit like the U.S. markets. So when like my friends were talking about it and like other people that I went to school were talking about it, I was like, oh, this is actually really cool because I grew up watching Bollywood movies I already knew who Dave Patel was because he was a really popular actor in Bollywood. And this was like also one of the biggest, first biggest Bollywood actors to break through into Hollywood. And since Slumdog, he's like done a ton of movies and he's just like an incredible actor overall. I think since then, and I haven't rewatched the movie in a really long time, but I did rewatch some clips of it since. And I think it's like definitely shows like a side of India that is what I think a lot of Americans think India is. It's pretty like stereotypical of showing just like the poverty there and how um, a lot of people who haven't been there probably like think of it as so it's like problematic in that sense. And this is something that my dad actually said and I remember him saying it after we watched this movie and he was like, yeah, like, of course, this is going to be popular in America. Like, Americans love watching poverty in other countries. And I remember that so clearly because I was like, oh, like, that is kind of what this is about. But I didn't realize it until much later, obviously, because it was so, so popular at the time. We love a rags to riches story. A guy from the slums becomes a millionaire overnight. You know who's the only other person who's done that? Me. Yeah, like it's just like one of those stories that people love. And if it's set in a different country that people have like no like real uh, interactions with or like a lot of misconceptions about, it's that much more appealing. But yeah, that's like just kind of like what I feel about it right now. So Meredith, what's our technique for today? So our technique today is circular storytelling, and that's when the, technically it's when a movie begins at the end and then circles back around. But in this case, they play more with time. So yes, it begins at the end, and it's at this critical point where there's tons of tension, and that sort of hooks you in as the viewer. Time for a commercial break, ladies and gentlemen. I know, I know, I can't stand the tension either. We'll be right back. But then they're jumping back and forth between the past and the that moment in time. So you do get a continuous narrative, like as Jamal and his brother are growing up, you see them get older. They're literally three actors playing each of them as in these different stages. And so that kind of helps you follow along. But it's really interesting. It's really engaging because every time they do a flashback, you're trying to put it all together as the viewer and piece their story together. Yeah, it's almost like a series of each question is a circular narrative uh, in and of itself that gets them sort of back in that way, or it's like part of a, a larger circular narrative. And I thought that it's a great 
technique to talk about for B2B, and we'll get into that in a little bit here, because it's so effective in this story, and it's so effective um, in in any story that does this, because you want to know how the heck they got to this place. And as soon as you start the story with this person sitting on the stage of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and then you see where he comes from, you're like, I want to know what happens, right? And And the way that they do that in Slumdog Millionaire, I think is like so unique and incredible and kind of pulls into the cultural zeitgeist where, you know, who wants to be a millionaire was popular uh, a little bit before this, but it sucks you into this format that we know exactly what this silly game show would be, right? Is like, we know what who wants to be a millionaire is because we've already seen that format. Are you going to make that your final answer? Yes. You had $125,000. You now have two hundred and fifty. And so to imagine the backstory of a contestant that is so unique, well, we've heard the backstory of contestants hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times on Jeopardy and on Wheel of Fortune and all this stuff. Like we've heard the backstory of contestants. And so this is a, a really unique way of, of looking at that. And it's just so compelling. To add on to that, when he's accused of cheating, right? Every time it goes back in time, it jumps back to why he knew the answer to each question. So they'll pose the question and then he'll have a flashback. And then it's like, oh, that's how he knew the answer. And it's like some pretty obscure questions too. Wake up every morning wishing I didn't know the answer to that question. If it wasn't for Ram and Allah, I would still have a mother. That's how they kind of use that, like, going back and forth in time to their advantage. Are there any cons to circular storytelling? I would say it could be confusing for the audience, like, because you're kind of, like, plopped right back into this time and place. It's in the middle. It's always in the middle of this, like, high action scene. And you're like, wait, what's going on? Which one is? And because they're changing an age and literally changing an actor, you're like, who's Jamal? Who's Salim? And what's going on here? Um, and so it could be a little bit confusing, but I think you're kind of forced to wait and figure it out as you go along, which I think makes it even more engaging. The one drawback of using this sort of time hop, nonlinear circular storytelling is that you're kind of taking the audience out. You're reminding them they're watching a movie almost at, at every turn. Like every time we go back, we're like, oh, right, this is a movie. It's just a flashback. Jamal. They use it to their advantage, obviously, and I think that what they gain from that outweighs what they lose from it. But it's, it's far from one of those movies happening in real time where you think, oh, I'm along for the ride. I'm right here for every step of this thing. You just you're continually reminded that you're a movie. Annika, I'm curious if they told this story without this device, do you think it would have been? as interesting or as successful? I don't think it would have been as popular if they didn't use circular storytelling only because the movie like literally starts almost at the climax where it just like draws you in immediately. And that's such a, such a pull for viewers is to be thrown in the middle of a story and then be left wondering how did he get here? What's going on? Like what's the backstory and where is this going? so it kind of takes you back into that so you have something that you already know is going to happen because they're showing it to you 
but then you have no context behind it, which I think is like probably why the movie got so popular because it takes you on that journey versus starting from the beginning. And I think that's always a plus point in like any movie or TV show or story or ad that you're like reading or watching is like if you're thrown right in the middle of it, chances are you're most likely going to be engaged from the start. Yeah, and I feel like in these type of stories, I think it's really interesting because you know where you know where you're supposed to land. And in that sense, when you go back in time, you're sort of looking at each vignette or each moment in time with more intention and trying to find out like what are the things in each flashback moment that are pushing us to get to where you know we're inevitably gonna land. Final answer. Final answer. Ah, computer G G lock here, Jai. You've just won 16,000 rupees. And in that sense, I feel like it's a little bit more effective at drawing you in and making you feel like you're along for the ride with the character. Because traditionally, you start with them at the beginning and you're watching them grow. So you're not really sure. You know, obviously, there's growth and there's development and you're along for the ride. But you're not exactly sure in any given scene or any moment exactly what the themes are that we're pointing to or where the end game is going to be for this character. But in this sense, you know where he's going to end and you know he's going to learn a little nugget about this and you know he's got this this love in his life and you know he's got all these cards stacked against him. So in that sense, I feel like you're looking with a really keen eye and that's one just one more layer of engagement that kind of, you know, drags you in a little bit. In this too, you're not really starting at the end, right? You're starting at the climax. And so there are still questions that you're asking, right? Is he going to end up with the girl? Is he going to actually get the winnings and have them realize that he wasn't cheating? Uh, So I think you're still left with all these questions that you want solved. You want all the answers to, and you want that resolution. Jamal Malik, you're absolutely right! I was going to say, I think superficially that lends itself to a really fun storytelling device, which is if you open the way that we think it's going to end and we build back up to that moment, but we're only 60 minutes into the movie, you know there's even more runway to continue going with the story and continuing to twist things. So I think in that sense, you kind of can continue to utilize circular storytelling to keep an audience sort of on their toes and not 100% sure where we're headed. And I think you see that a lot in the streaming platforms. I think because of the way that stories are told on streaming platforms, where it's like, if you get five minutes in and you're not hooked, like, people just don't watch, right? No, I think it's actually just a good segue, what you were just saying about the the streamers. Because if you leave film and TV for a second, we just think about kind of where content and media is at right now. Thinking about like YouTube videos or TikTok content, everything is so front-loaded with not exactly perfect circular storytelling. I'm thinking about like David Dobrik video or Mr. Beast. It, it always starts with like, oh my God, everyone's running around screaming and you see like, you know, a fountain of water or geyser or something blows up and it's crazy. And they're like, oh, and then you see a title card hit. We are currently surrounded by countless sharks. Maybe even a thousand. I don't think it's that many. And then we work our way back to like, okay, so we decided we wanted to blah, blah, blah. And then you slowly work your way back. So I feel like whether it started with Slumdog here in the U.S., we've just naturally, I feel like, gravitated towards things that grab you right off the bat because there's such a saturation of content. So, like, everything, I feel like, whether it's a movie or a YouTube video or a TikTok thing, everything has to start on a bang. And whether that perfectly circularly takes you back to where you started or whether it's more just a great hook, I think 
you know, jumping in on a bang is just something that right now works. Almost if you don't have it, I feel like you're, you're hard pressed to actually keep people along for the ride, you know? I see circular narrative style storytelling occur sometimes in B2B with podcasts. I mean, we do it with some of our podcasts that we make where we start with like, you know, the really enticing clip from the interview or whatever it is at the beginning and then jump into it. Also, I've seen this in case studies where maybe they have the results at the beginning and then it kind of unfolds as to how they got those results. So I've, I've seen examples of this in B2B. Um, I'm sure there's others, though, and I'm sure there's opportunities to, to take it to a next level as well. Annika, what, what do you think? It's really hard to think of like ads or stories B2B has told that start kind of like with the climax. But I think there is a huge opportunity to do that kind of storytelling, whether it's like in a podcast or like video format, especially if a brand is creating characters and trying to kind of connect with their audience and be authentic. That's like a really great way to draw people in is to like have this character that is in the middle of a crisis and like drop your audience into that by starting an ad or like a campaign or whatever story you're trying to tell um, in the middle of that crisis and then kind of go back to like, okay, this is, this is how I got here. Like the, the record scratch freeze frame, like you might be wondering how I got here and then go into like the problem and then the company's product could be the solution at the end. 100%. This is like the YouTubeification of storytelling, as Dane was mentioning, that every single B2B marketer should be doing. Like you should be doing circular storytelling with your case studies, with your customer stories, with your demos, with your prospect journey, like all this stuff, because that is what you're going to be seeing every day. Like when, you know, some YouTube creator tries to, you know, shake up a two liter and throw it off a bridge, like they don't upload the video where nothing happens. What's up, guys? Today we're going to be testing out Coke and Mentos. What's the explosion? Hmm. Well, there you go. Coke and Mentos does not work. See you in another video. Bye. They only upload the video where something happens. And that's like what we do as marketers too, right? We're not going to tell a case study where the person didn't get any value. We're going to tell the one where they did get value. Let's talk about flashbacks for a quick second here. It's something we really don't see in in B2B either, that people are doing flashbacks. Obviously, like this whole story is sort of a, a version of flashbacks. But like, how do you think that someone could do flashbacks better? I mean, if it's in video, I'm thinking in video form. I'm sure there's other ways to do it, but you'd kind of have to have documentation of, you know, early on in the process. It's not B2B technically, but Gary V, his team has tons of footage of him from years ago. Let me give you my 2012 predictions. And they will do flashbacks of him, like comparing his prediction uh, like seven years ago about some social media thing. And then it's a flat, you know what I mean? Like that's a cool way to incorporate a flashback. But you do have to have that that past um, video footage to do some, pull something off like that. I love that idea. 
And it would be super cool if in your onboarding process, you had a prospect who is really fired up. And instead of them just writing down their goals, if you did a quick video with them of like, hey, let me tell you what you're like, tell me where your goals are. Tell me what you'd like to achieve. Uh, and then you do your customer video where you literally have that, where you start at the you start at the beginning of the story where they're like, we achieved 10x results from this. This is the best campaign ever. And then it's like, that's Jane Doe, CMO of XYZ. And then it goes into like, like, let's look at her goals. And then it has the actual video of her telling those goals with like, you know, grayed out in like black and white. Like this was in 2017. Uh, like that would be so killer. You never see stuff like that because you have to have the forethought that over time, you're going to be able to, you know, use that stuff that they're going to be a successful customer. But like, why not? Especially if they'll do it. And most people don't want to do that. Most people want to say, hey, let's get to value first. Let's get to value. But you should have goals going into a campaign. We're not talking about like, we don't need a case study right off the bat. We just need to know what your goals are. And then so we can hopefully achieve those. From a story perspective, flashbacks are great because they show where you were and where now where you are. It's all about growth. It's all about change. And when we talk about B2B or just business in general, it's all about growth. It's all about change. It's all about trying to get those things elevated. So when you say flashback in particular as part of circular storytelling or circular narratives, I think those things that you were just throwing down are genius. That's so great. Yeah, it's a great way to bring humor into um, like a storytelling situation too. Like Subaru had an ad like a couple of years ago where they like a family was like driving down like a road on the side of a mountain and there was like a goat that was like in front of them and it looked like they're about to hit the goat and the goat has a flashback in this ad to like when it was born it's amazing life on the farm like playing with farm animals like just having a great time to like now like about to like get run over by the Subaru and then the Subaru like stops immediately it shows like the thing on the screen where it says object detected and it was an ad for like um, automated like braking basically. The greatest outback of all time versus the goat. And that was just like a cool way to bring humor into an ad via a flashback. So I feel like flashbacks can definitely serve different purposes depending on what kind of story you're trying to tell. One of the ones that jumps out to me is uh, you see this a lot of time with supplements. You know, the person who's like jacked and tan and all that sort of stuff. And they're like, you know, 28 weeks ago, I was scrawny. I had like no definition and like no tan. And then it so like shows them like trying to like lift a, you know, dumbbell and they have skinny arms or whatever it is. And like now after doing like Zamo sport, you know, I can PR my overhead press. Are you ready to tone? Well, let's warm up those muscles. Grapevine over here and touch. Give me some snaps. And you're like, oh man, I, I need to work on my overhead press. So like, I think that that stuff, like, again, it's such a common thing in B2C storytelling. And it's just something that we don't really use in B2B. And sometimes we just don't feel like we have the cool visuals for that stuff. But I think there is cool enough visuals. And like you said, being able to add humor into it is like, we have that moment, right? Like there are moments in the office at work for people who are, you know, in tech and stuff like that, that have awkward, funny, weird moments, you know, flashback to when they're sitting in the boardroom and 
the board is, you know, all saying stuff about like marketing this, marketing that. We need to cut marketing spend. And the like, person's like sitting there with their head in their hands and like, yep, this is probably my lowest day, you know, whatever. And then it flash forward to, to where they are now with, with the, the pipeline of, of, uh, of a thousand marketing leaders crying out. So I think that there's stuff there that you can just pinpoint those moments that are funny, start at the end, go back to the beginning and tell the story a little bit more effectively. Final thing is use circular storytelling in your marketing because it works and it's memorable and it's remarkable. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies. So if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at caspianstudios.com. Hollywood style storytelling for B2B. And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison, Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager, Anika Das, B2B content marketing manager, and Meredith O'Neill, senior producer here at Caspian Studios. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak. Be remarkable and rise above the noise. <laughs>